So we are in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis means the beginning. It's the beginning of creation, the beginning of man, the beginning of sin, the beginning of redemption, the beginning of faith. All the major doctrines of the Bible are found in Genesis. And uh, we're going to continue to just go through and look at all of them. It's, the Bible is uh, the best-selling book in the history of all mankind. A matter of fact, there's been over 5 billion Bibles copied, printed. Um, it's the most printed book. It's the most read book. It's the most sold book. But it's also the most stolen book. Um, the King James, 188,258 words. That's 31,102 verses, 1,189 chapters, and 66 books. And uh, it's 39 books in the old, 39 uh, books in the Old Testament. 27 books in the New Testament, making 66 books in total. If you read at an average pace, every Bible recording I've listened to, I used to have CDs of the Bible read by different people. They were all between 71 and 72 hours, just at a, at a regular, a lot of times people will call it a pulpit pace of reading. And so if you break that down, um, a day, and, uh, you know, you got 71 hours, that's, what, a little over two months. And if you read a little slower, you know, three months, four months, easily. That's, that's like 15, 20 minutes a day of reading the Bible. But it's not some overwhelming book. Even if you're a slow reader, a bad reader, um, you could still read it through. But as true as that is, most Christians have never read the whole Bible. How many of you guys have read Micah? How many of you guys, raise your hands. How many of you guys have read Micah? How many of you guys have read Malachi? How many of you guys have read Hezekiah? Yes, it's the name of a king, not a book of the Bible. Just testing you. He's having a little bit of a hard time back there, Craig, if you want to help him out. So um, the Bible has been translated in 532 different languages. And it's been translated, almost partially translated now, mostly New Testament, but almost... Uh, a big portion of the Bible in 2,883 different languages. And uh, these first 10 here in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth are the 10 most read words, or the first one, let me just say it that way, is the most read words in human history. Because a lot of people will say, what's a Bible? They'll pick it up and they read the first verse, right? They may not read verse 2 or any of the rest of the Bible, but they do get through verse 1. And uh, so I'll tell you what, the world does know that verse, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, God describes the creation in this chapter in 630 words. That's it. Man, we, we read, you know, God did this, and, and he did this on the first day, the second day. And we're like, now, now break that down a little bit. There is no breaking it down. <laughs> he just simply says, it happened. And, I mean, I think if he were to explain day one, 
all the books in all the world would never be able to contain the intricacy of what he did. Have you guys noticed in these last couple of years, they've been able to get down onto the ocean floor and people have discovered on earth as well, not just in the oceans, all kinds of new species. Go into YouTube and say new species discovered. You'll be amazed. They have a whole set of these creatures down deep now. We can get down there. They're calling them alien species because they don't look like anything else we've ever seen on earth or in the water either. It's amazing. They're just, some of them are so outrageously colorful. And, and it looks like some of them, I mean, they're multicolors with wings and they're just so astounding and beautiful. And then there's some other ones that are just crazy, scary. My, my child used to always say when he saw something scary, he'd say, Halloween, Halloween. Uh, he didn't know how to say scary. And uh, it's, it's like Halloween down there in some parts. Crazy, the things that we still haven't seen that God created when he created all things. We're just still scratching the surface of, of things that he created that are blowing our minds new things today. And so... What did God do? It, it, I don't think all the scientists that have ever lived could probably understand if God explained it, how he created light or how he created all the various creatures. I, I'm just, I marvel. I'll see some little insect that I've never seen before, not necessarily a new species, but I just never seen it. And I'm truly in awe. And, and some of these things, they'll, they'll get real super close up. I mean, it's an insect, you know, the size of a flea, but they blow it up and you're looking at it, eight by 10, and it's incredible detail. Have you seen this? You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, those cute little eyes and the color and their ears and, and the hair on their back and, and all of this extraordinary detail of something and in many cases, we can't see without a microscope. But yet when we do look at it, we're completely amazed at the detail. You, you know, interesting, the ill. You guys know about ills, right? It's a science wonder today. We know that they all go wherever they're at on the planet. They, they spread out all over the planet. A lot of them are in England in channels. But they'll all, once a year to mate, will go to the Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> right to the edge of it there. And in that Bermuda Triangle, these eels go down and they produce baby eels. Whoa, we got a lot of echo going on there. We have no idea how they do it. They've cut them open. They have no sperm. They, they have no... Uh, ovaries with eggs. They, they don't have any idea to this day how ills reproduce. It, it's a quandary. It's a wondery. There are several scientists that have spent their entire life studying it without being able to discover it. So God creates and it's a wonder to us. It, is that really a wonder? Or is it make sense that the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, would create things and little old puny us can't wrap our heads around it? It sort of makes sense, right? I mean, if, if you can understand everything about God, you are God. <laughs> I mean, if you say there is an all-knowing, all-powerful being, then we shouldn't be able to know everything God knows. We shouldn't be able to think everything God thinks. We shouldn't be able to do everything God does. And so it makes perfect sense when you really think about it and, and look at it. Well, the book of Genesis spans about 2,500 years. I want to give you a real simple way to remember time in the Bible. From Adam to 
Abraham. I knew that was going to happen. I could, I could tell. Boy, this, this, uh, this recording is, is going to have to get redone, I think. <laughs> and I should mention the devil really hates us talking about this. But um, so from Adam to Abraham is 2,000 years, about. From Abraham to Jesus is, once again, about 2,000 years. little echoey in here, guys, little echoey. And then from Jesus to today, about 2,000 years. Adam to Abraham, 2,000. Abraham to Jesus, 2,000. Jesus to today, about 2,000. And um, in the Jewish calendar... This year, 2021, is, they believe, is 5,781 years since Adam. So they're a little under 6,000 years in the Jewish calculation of things. And that's taking the genealogies and so forth and looking at them and, uh, and calculating out the numbers. And so it comes out to close somewhere, ballpark, around 6,000 years. It's interesting that the millennial reign will be 1,000 years, 1,000 years of rest. And the Lord said a day is as 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is a day. So we have six days of human creation. The rapture comes, and then 1,000 years a day of millennial rest, the seventh day, a day of rest. So it's interesting to, to calculate and look at that, and it definitely seems uh, it's going to bear out to be true. But looking at verse 1 once again, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Very interesting words. The first thing I, I think we should jump into is, is the word God. It's not the singular for God, El. It's not the dual for God, Ella. It's the plural name for God, Elohim, which is plural. But however, you're going to see in this chapter, when they talk about the verb, so for example, the verb create, it's singular. It's not good grammar, but it is good theology. So right away, Luther points out and says, we have clear testimony that Moses aimed to indicate the Trinity or the three persons in the one divine nature right from the beginning. At the very beginning, God is saying, I am more than just something singular. I am something more than double, too. I am something that's three or more. And we're going to see the Trinity within this chapter one uh, as we get to the end of the chapter here. But it says that uh, God, the beginning, God created. So this tells you that God had to be before the creation. God is eternal. So people say, where did God from, come from? Well, God's an eternal being. He's always been. And you say, well, explain that to me. Well, if you were eternal, you would get it. If you're not eternal, you wouldn't get it. How can we get it? How can the finite explain the eternal? If I could explain the eternal, I would be eternal myself. But the fact is, Ecclesiastes says, God's put eternity in all our hearts. The little child will say, who came before you, mom and dad? Well, my mom and dad. Who came before them? Well, their mom and dad. And we keep going all the way back to Adam. And who was Adam's mom and dad? Nobody. They were the first created man. So you know how we'll know who they are in heaven, right? They're the only ones without a belly button. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so the, the Bible is clear on this. It says it so many places in so many ways. In Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So everlasting to everlasting. So before something can be created, there had to be a creator. And so that first unmoved mover, that first domino to start all the rest of the dominoes, there had to be a force that started all other forces. And we're going to see Elohim mentioned 32 times in this first chapter alone and that he is indeed 
the creator of all things. In Psalms 93.2, your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The word created is actually a unique Hebrew word because there's one word that could be used saying creating like we do uh, something from something. So we get a piece of wood and we make something. But this word bara does not mean that. When it's in a conjunction with God, it means God is bringing forth something from nothing. And again, only an eternal God can do that. In Psalms 19, verse 1 through 6, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set the tabernacle for the sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoicing like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven. Its circuit is to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And it goes on declaring the beauty of this creation. It's interesting that the last days are marked with a group, with a whole earth full of people that will not recognize God as creator. Hmm, do we live in such a time? If you guys know a little bit about past history, which you all do, well, that was really not in question until the late 1800s with Darwin, who was in a theological school, who dropped out when his grandpa died and he got the inheritance. And then he set out to prove that the world wasn't created. And man doesn't want a creator today because he's accountable to that creator. If there's somebody who created it, there's a purpose for the creation. And therefore, we have to submit to that purpose. In Romans 1, verse 18 to 25, it talks about it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Do you hear this? That by general relation, we call this general revelation, by just a guy opening his eyes and living in this world and existing, he begins to see this incredible order. He begins to see this incredible design. And, and he then, it's every human being would believe in God automatically. It's an innate truth. You've got to be taught not to believe in God. <laughs> you, you've, you've got to have a, an adult hard heart against God if there is a God, I hate his guts. And it's that hard heart that causes that heart to say, I don't want to believe there's a God because I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own morality. I want to live my own way. Even though through the attributes of creation, the attributes of God are clearly seen. Even though they're invisible, like love and hate, et cetera, et cetera, they're clearly seen, even though they're invisible. And therefore, when a man stands before God and God judges him to hell, if he does not believe in the one way of salvation through the cross of Christ, he has always known in his heart there is a God. The Holy Spirit's always been in the world, convicting men of sin and righteousness and judgment. And they have fought against that knowledge. He goes on to say in Romans 1.21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of an incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, creeping things. It sounds like he's describing evolution here. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust in their hearts, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature 
rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's exactly what's going on. The fool, not the wise man, people professing to be wise, but a fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Very simply, Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. And so it's just very obvious that this entire planet, everything made on it, is incredibly designed. Darwin, in his book on the origin of species, had to admit that the human eye could not have been evolved. And he said, to think it could have been evolved, it's an absurdity, is what he said. But he still went on to to say it had to have happened. And he believed the fossil record would eventually prove out that it did all happen through evolution. Well, we, we call this the theological argument for the existence of God. If you see a building, it infers a builder, right? If you see a painting, it infers a painting. If you see an intelligent design, which is what we see in our world, we have to say that's an intelligent designer. If a three-year-old is drawing a picture, we would expect it to look like a three-year-old drew it, right? If we have a professional artist drawing a picture and he drew something like a three-year-old, we, we would think something's wrong, right? And what we see is continually marveling us because of its incredible, specific design. And the more we learn about creation, the more we are enamored about how amazing and intricately it is designed. And so we would expect a beaver to build a beaver dam, not the Hoover Dam. We would expect a room full of monkeys to type out, they had a typewriter, a bunch of gibberish, not Shakespeare. There's an example of, of a guy who gives an analogy of a guy walking on the beach and he founds a watch. And, and he looks at this watch and he says, look at this. It must have taken 100 million years to evolve this in the ocean. And then as he looks at it closer, he realizes there's a crystal and, and he gets his magnifying glass and he sees how the crystal is perfectly inlaid and the metal has a little indentation where the the crystal perfectly polished is is perfectly designed and hooked in there and he said it must have taken 200 million years to evolve and then he begins to observe it and he realizes that the sun and this clock is perfectly in sync and there he jumped to two billion years it must have taken to evolve And then he opens up the back and he sees all of these hundreds of pieces moving and working. It's it's ridiculous, isn't it? You, You see in an intricate design and the human body and almost any animal is far more intricate than that of a watch. And in essence, they want you to believe that things created these amazingly intricate things. And these things are so amazing, they're constantly evolving, getting better and better and better all the time. And they explain, why don't we see it right now? And and they come up with these crazy theories. Well, we're in a lull period. We believe evolution have lull periods and we happen to be in a lull period. They they come up with the most extraordinary things to, to explain their foolishness. But how many of you, if I had a picture of the Mona Lisa and I said, you guys won't believe how this picture got drawn. I had my kids' crayons in the trunk of my car with a bunch of paper and I forgot it was back there and it got hot and cold and you know, moved all around when the car was moving. And after eight months, I realized when I opened the trunk, there's all this melted crayons and papers everywhere, and yet here it is. How many believe that would happen? But yet they want you to believe that space, it existed. Well, hold it. 
The first law of thermodynamics, this is a fact, says all that's created is created. Nothing new, nothing more can be created. And the second law of thermodynamics is everything's winding down. But evolution is telling us it's winding up. It's improving. But yet the second law of thermodynamics says, no, things are not improving. They're getting, we have less and less power, less and less force. Everything's winding down, not winding up. It's the opposite of the facts of science. But yet, they want you to believe that things created things and it happened by an explosion. We've seen a lot of explosions in our lifetime and there wasn't some amazing thing created out of it, was there? There was a big pile of mess we had to clean up and, and take this debris and it was worthless. But in evolution, Big bangs create you and me and, and all this intricate universe and you know, the Milky Way galaxy. And it's just, it's ludicrous. Interesting, Robert Cummins in 1903, he discovered that all things can be broken down into five components. Time, force, energy, space, and matter. Look at verse one again. Time, he says, in the beginning. Force, God, energy, created, space, the heavens, matter, the earth. There it is. The five components that he has factually broken down, all things are created into, are all mentioned in that first verse. So you have only two things. There's not a third or a fourth or a fifth thing out there, just two things. One is creation. Believe the Bible literally as it writes. Or, secondly, evolution. There isn't a third or a fourth. And understand, it's not just us Christians doubting evolution. I've seen a couple things on YouTube where on one in particular, they had, uh, I think it was six different branches of science. And these are all guys that were not Christians. I think they were all atheists. But they were sitting around, like in a living room, but it was all being videotaped. And they basically said, my branch of science does not allow for evolution. It, it doesn't explain things here. And it went through one branch of science after the next. And these guys said, evolution is a crock. And this is, this is what is going on. I, I do know there's, there's that underlining current. When I first started teaching at San Diego State, I had a, a Bible study there. That there were some science people in the Bible study in the first book I saw, it said the theory of evolution. And it's interesting that each year they came out with a different book in those four years. And one of the science guys who had to teach these classes said, look at the difference between just four years. The word theory is completely out. And if you look at this fourth book, they're saying it is a fact of science not even a theory that's still in the process of being proved or disproved and so you know we're today seeing that across the scope aren't we this is a fact you know our carbon emissions is destroying the planet heating it up fact end of story well i do believe the planet is getting hotter whether that's just a part of a thousand year cycle or, or what i don't know Maybe it is carbon. I, I, I don't know. I just know you can't say, end of story, no discussion. If we all stop driving cars tomorrow, the earth will cool down. I, I don't believe it's that simple. And I don't, you know, again, th this is man coming up with a, a theory and then saying it's no longer a theory. And everybody who doesn't agree with this theory is the enemy of the state or is the enemy of mankind. And so when you, as Chuck Smith, you said that when I went to high school, my first year of high school, the earth was a billion years old. When I graduated from high school, the earth was 4 billion years old, according to science. So it took me 3 billion years to get through high school. <laughs> so you, you have either this, a who or a what. It's one of the two. A who designed, and he's an intelligent designer, and created. Or you have a what? Matter creating 
more matter through a process of billions of years of evolution. So here it says, nope, God created the heavens. That's expanse, space. God created the space. There it is. This is not talking about uh, the stars and the planets and that kind of thing yet. In, in the Bible, we, we see three types of heavens. We see the heaven where the birds fly. We're going to see that here in a minute. And then we have the outer space where the stars and so forth are. And then there's the third heaven where God dwells. But here he's just talking about the space in which he created and the earth. In verse 2, he goes on more specifically, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Interesting. All of a sudden, now when we get to verse 2, the earth is there, the material, the matter is there, but it is without form and it's void. It, there's two words to say it's, it was a waste place. It was ruined. And darkness was over the face of all of this earth. And in the midst of all that darkness, the Spirit of God was hovering. Later that word is used like the wings of an eagle hovering over the face of the waters. So this has led to quite a bit of discussion because you wouldn't expect to see something void, something without form. In the Hebrew, it reads without form, tohu, and void, bohu. Tohu va bohu is what that says. Now, why this is very interesting, because in Isaiah 45, verse 18, if we look for that phrase again, we find it in Isaiah 45, verse 18, but it actually states the opposite. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain. This is the word without void, tohu. It's the same word in Genesis 1, verse 2. Who formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, there is no other. So what this has created, and it started with the skull-filled study Bible, it's called the gap theory. Now, originally, the gap theory was created because of the teachings of evolution. And they're saying that the dating of these fossils are hundreds of millions of years old. And so um, theologians were saying, well, we have to rectify this with the facts we see in our world. And therefore, where do we come up with millions of year old fossils? And so the gap theory since then has itself evolved in, into a, a number of pieces of information. So there are some who, who believe in the gap theory has nothing to do to try to rectify the, the old age theory uh, of the fossils. It just simply is possibly seen that in between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis is the spiritual battle that happened in heaven. And so it goes something like this, that God began to create the earth and he let it be known to the angels that you're going to be servants to these people I create on earth. And Lucifer didn't like that because he thought himself to be equal to God and now he's going to be a servant of man, of another creation. And he got one-third of the angels, we learned that in Revelation, one-third fell with him, to, to say we're not going to be a part of this. And so God was in the midst of creating the earth. He was in the midst of this. And that's when the battle happened and that part of the earth to whatever degree it was in one day one or two or three had been destroyed. And so now we're looking at the wreckage of the first earth that was built and God is taking all of the matter and all of the things that were of the first earth that got destroyed in this heavenly battle and he's remaking it uh, into the earth. 
That is a theory. And uh, most of the creation scientists I know, they cringe at that. They do not agree with that. So it's a, it's a very debated issue. But to try to understand why the earth was without form and void it is not known then. If that gap theory is not true, then we have no idea why this is the case. But we're going to find that most of creation, we're scratching our head going, I don't know. Um, God just gave it to us in a verse rather than in a whole book, you know. Book one of the Bible is day one of creation. Book two of the Bible is, you know, day two of creation. That, you know, that would have been a pretty big Bible. And I don't know if it would have been that edifying, you know. Uh, the scientists would have loved it. Uh, they probably still would have disagreed with it, but um, it, it would have given them a lot more information to work with. So we don't have that. Well, going on to verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And the, God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So God said, let there be light, and there was. And then at the end of that, there was evening and morning the first day. So some people balk at this and they say, well, hold it. The sun wasn't made until a few days later. And so how, how could there be a 24-hour period without the sun? Because we know now we have a solar calendar and, and it takes us 365 and a quarter day year to get around the sun once. So that's how our, we, we have a year. And that's how we have evening and morning and so forth. And so, no. God, God doesn't need that. God here created light and he created a 24-hour period of time. That would, that would be, like say, it'd be like saying there was no time in existence until the clock was made. And once the clock was made, then time started existing. Or could time be working before the first clock ever was made, right? But the clock was made in a way to show what time was doing. In the same way, God created light. Didn't need the sun for that. He created a 24-hour period of time. He didn't need the, the solar system to yet be the clock to show that, right? But after making a 24-hour period, then he made everything else that he created, the sun and the moon, to reflect the time period in which he had created. So simple, but I have not heard anybody say it that way. And so God made a light here, but he did not make the sun that would be ultimately the light that lights the earth. So he's talking more than just light as the sun giving us light. He's talking about something spiritual here because he says there's light and then I'm separating the light from the darkness. In Psalm 104 verse 2, it says, Who covered yourself with light as with a garment, who stretched out the heavens like a curtain. In Daniel 2, 2, 22, uh, Nebuchadnezzar came to understand this when he, and he came out of his trance after seven years. He said, he reveals deep secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. John eight twelve. then he spoke to the Jews again and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the light is the life of the world. So there's more than just light happening, like later when he makes the sun, and the light of the sun is what lightens the earth. There's another light in creation here. All Hebrew commentators say this was a separation of spiritual forces, where God separated the, the, the powers of Satan. So he, he separated truth from lie as well as the spiritual darkness from the spiritual light. 1 Timothy 6.16 says that God dwells in unapproachable light. In 1 John 1.5 it says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In Revelation 22.5 it tells us that in the new heavens and the new earth there'll be no sun there for the Lord himself shall give them light. In Isaiah he says that same thing that in that new creation of the new heavens and the new earth that the Lord will be to us an everlasting light. And then we discover hell is the absence of that light. One of the descriptions of hell 
is being in darkness, says in Matthew 8, 12, but the sons of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So hell is a place of only darkness and no light. Interesting, Paul talks about this of creation, about God speaking being light, but he's referring it to us being born again. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for it is... Th- the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So interesting. We are shambles. We are without form and void before we're born again, right? And God looks at our disorder and looks at our mess. And when we become born again, what's it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? All the old things pass away and what? All things become new. He says when we become born again, God speaks into us and we become a new creation and the darkness is now separated and we become light as we are walking now in the face of Jesus Christ from glory to glory uh, unto him. Well, we are going to stop there tonight and we'll pick up next week in verse six. And um, is there any questions that you might have? I've got so much on this topic. It's incredible um, trying to piece it down and break it down. Um, Most of the guys that I like to listen to, they, they did introduction to Genesis, then they did verse one or did part one, part two, part three on verse one. And then, uh, you know, verse two to five, you know. So it, it, you can go incredibly in detail into this book. Yes? So I have a Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting. The question was, is what do people say about multiple universes? So, you know, it's interesting that we know now we're in a Milky Way galaxy, you know, 10,000 light years by 100,000 light years. Um, And uh, we understand how it operates and it's moving through space. You know, I, I, I can't remember now, but if you look at how the earth, you know, our, our solar system's moving, the whole thing's moving, the whole Milky Way galaxy is moving through space. Our Milky Way galaxy isn't set and solid, it's moving through space. And then our entire solar system is moving through the Milky Way galaxy. So everything's moving thousands and thousands of miles an hour, and that's why you're so tired. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, God's gonna, we're gonna get there where it says he does make all of these things for us on earth. So the center of God's creation is earth. And all these other things are, are for us to marvel and to understand who we're dealing with. And, and it is a humbling thing to realize out of all the planets, out of all of the, you know, the Milky Way galaxy is... There's a hundred billion galaxies, I believe it is. A hundred billion galaxies. We're one of a hundred billion galaxies. <laughs> and, and, you know, we know our sun is tiny. And, and we know that our um, solar system is tiny. And we know that the Milky Way galaxy is tiny compared. So when we, we realize that, and then who are we? We're this tiny piece of dust on this tiny piece of dust inside this Milky Way galaxy, which is just a tiny little galaxy in the mix of a hundred billion galaxies, many of them greater and far more majestic than ours. But what's that to do to us? God knows every hair on my head. I'm just this little dot. So the Bible in no way mentions that God created other earths and he died on the cross for them. Billy Graham thought, hey, if there are people on other planets, they're going to come to us because they need to get born again and they can only do that through Christ. 
So he, he died for their sins too. So I, I don't know. Interesting though, huh? I, I do think the things they're seeing in space right now are demons. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about that in the last days that um, there would be things in the skies, you know, that pe- make people marvel. Yeah. Another question? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there before he said it and spoke it into existence, right? So it wasn't there in the beginning. Well, you know, was it or was it not? That's what I'm saying. We don't know to what degree. But far as over creation, he brought the light into existence within creation. So there was space, and then he brought light into that space. But God himself is light. Right. So, yeah. Again, we don't know. We, we can't explain it. We, we, just, we do know that it's not referring to light on the earth like the sun gave light to the earth. That's not the point of it. Yeah. So it probably was a physical light, but it's also a spiritual light. Yeah. So you mentioned the angelic rebellion. The what? The angelic rebellion. Yes. Angelic rebellion, yes. It's a total speculation, the gap theories. Total speculation. Right, before the creation of Earth, the, the rebellion happened before the creation of Earth, yes. Yeah, that we do know. Yeah. That there's a war? Yeah, no, that, that's just a speculation that the war is over and there's, there's darkness. Yeah, and, and you'd be in very good company because the entire gap theory didn't happen until the Schofield Bible in the late 1800s after the teaching of Darwin. So yeah, I mean, you're in very good company to, because none of the early church fathers mentioned it. There's no mention of any gap theory or anything between verse one and two uh, earlier than the late 1800s. So pure speculation. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I, um, Ken Ham has answers to Genesis, and he is a young earther. That's what they call him, six to 10,000 years old. Um, and um, he goes through things that are just unbelievable, that we know exactly. We, we've been looking at it for a couple hundred years, certain things that are happening on the earth, and, um, and they're happening consistently. And so if, if you look at that, like we know exactly how much the sun is burning out. So we know how much dust is falling on the moon. We knew that before the men went to the moon. And so, you know, the first time they went to the moon, remember they had the big giant duck feet on the, on the first time they went to the moon? It's because if the earth was millions, of, if, if, this, if the dust had been falling for millions of years on the moon, it should have been thousands of feet deep, that dust. But in actuality, it was just a, a few inches, which means, again, so Dick Kenham has all of those, the amount of salt in the ocean to, and there's things that we have been calculating. And so if you push it backwards, in other words, you heat up the sun, you can't go much past 10,000 years and have life on earth. If, if again, there, there's he has a whole bunch of them. So just go on there and look at YouTube. Look on um, um, 
young, the debate on young earth versus old earth there. There's a thousand different ways to come up with the age of things. And every one of them, you have to start with a presupposition. Okay? So every one of them, you come up with a presupposition. He has a thing on the going, going and looking at the Grand Canyon and then comparing that to Mount St. Helens. And we know about Mount St. Helens. But they have the same exact strata from the explosion on Mount St. Helens that those who are millions of years, that's what they're looking at at the Grand Canyon. He's going, we know this happened in three days. <laughs> and according to their dating, they would say this is three million years old. And it's interesting because the upper strata of Mount St. Helens, according to their dating, would look older than the lower strata. <laughs> but we know it all happened immediately and we know when it happened. And if you use their same dating methods, the upper strata would, would look like 1.37 million years old, but the stuff under that is under a million years old. So, yeah, it's, there's so much information. It's easy to, to, to bring it up. And every missing link they've supposedly found, every one of them have been debunked. The missing link is still missing. And scientists are, are honest with that now. I mean, they will, they will say, you know, Darwin said we will see much, the fossil record will get filled in and we'll be amazed to see all the missing links. Nothing new has been found since the late 1800s that would explain to see more evolution. Nothing. So he, his presuppositions were wrong. So, yeah, again, I mean, we could do a whole thing on the young earth and I just put Kim Ham up and we could watch it. But yeah, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know, a cool thing to do, and he has all of this in the ark he built. You know, Ken Ham built that ark right outside Cincinnati in Kentucky. Whew, that thing is awesome. We should, do a, we should do a church trip. And, you know, can't go to Israel, but we can go to Cincinnati <laughs> and uh, spend a week there going through all the expos. And, and uh, I used to have Ken all the time come and speak at our church in San Diego because he was there in San Diego before he started his own ministry. So, awesome guy.